0: which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So, today's metaphysical kernel of thought is Sabbaths and Cross Quarter
1: Times. One of the things those on the path have always done is to celebrate the eight solar festivals that occur throughout the year. Many Wiccan practices call it the Wheel of the Year as a reminder that they return again and again to these times throughout the years. By celebrating over several years, we recognize that these festivals are related to some time or point of energy, and that the story of the God and goddess supposedly presented as the focus or just as parable to explain this. A parable is defined as a short, fictitious story that illustrates a religious principle of some sort. We worked together through several more years to connect to the various energies, and were better able to relate to the idea that the Sabbaths followed the peaks and energies of a continuous sine wave, more than a wheel, as a way to describe the ebb and flow of light and dark energies throughout the year. More recently, We have come to recognize that there are actually two different cycles combined together. First, there are the sabbats, which are the solstices and equinoxes, specific points, dates, and time that relate to energy shifts and the start of the four seasons throughout the year. Winter solstice is the peak of dark energy and the start of winter, while the summer solstice is the peak of light energy and the start of summer. The vernal spring and autumnal equinoxes both times of equal light and dark energy, and the start of spring and autumn respectively. The vernal also marks the date of the beginning of the times of greatest light energy, and the autumn marks the date of the beginning of the times of greatest dark energy. Then there are what others call the cross-quarter days because they occur between the solstices and equinoxes. The path now calls these cross-quarter times because they are a season and not related to one specific date. These include candlemas Beltane, Loaf Mass, and Samhain. Each of these seasons is a time when it is easier to connect with one of the energies of the physical elements for us. The Candle mass season focuses on the element of fire, Beltane the element of earth, Loaf Mass the element of air, and Samhain the element of water. We celebrate the shift between the energies at the start of each season, using a series of rituals that we call our ice cycle, which is an acronym for an Ingress Congress and Egress ritual. We have also developed activities that we use throughout each season that relate to working with the energy of a, each specific element. This week we're going to talk about how, or discuss more, how both of us on the path tend to have messed with the traditional idea of the wheel of the year. I know it didn't stop being a wheel, but how we perceive it might be a little different.
0: Sure, sure. More as a more as a cycle, which yeah. here again is a wheel. Yep, yeah, absolutely. No, I agree.
1: Um I think it's because we put different emphasis on different parts of it. The Sabbaths are the solstices and equinoxes, and they are very time specific when you think about it. You know, they kind of move around two or three days each year in the calendar, depending, and they mark the actual sure. Occurrence.
0: But there is a moment so, when you can say that that is actually an astronomical and physical occurrence. Yep.
1: Yes, exactly. And then the other ones, which we people call the cross-quarter days, they call them greater Sabbats, lesser, you know, all of that stuff. We tend to call them Candlemas, Beltane, mass, and Samhain. That's just the names we use. Feel free to call them whatever you like. Um, for us, those are not a specific date but more a season and right. they kind of run in between the solstices and equinoxes or the solstices and equinoxes seem to occur in the middle of each of those seasons, if that's a better way to describe it. Yep. To start with. And for us the we also tend to split the year differently because a lot of groups I've talked to over the years um, the time of greatest light is equinox to equinox, and greatest dark is like fall equinox to spring equinox kind of thing. And we've shifted it over from solstice to solstice. Because if you think about it, in winter solstice, you're at the time of greatest dark. But after that, the light starts to increase.
0: So isn't that? So, so I'm going to interrupt there only because that was a spot where I struggled a little bit with learning. Mm-hmm. Um But now I have I've found a way where it makes more sense to me. Um, Two things. When you say light half of the year and dark half of the year, I hear the lightening half of the year and the darkening half of the year Mm -hmm. and to, to reinforce that. My practice has been for the last few years on the winter solstice, anytime someone says to me, this is the longest night of the year, my response is always, and from here the light grows. Mm -hmm. So that is actually, even though it's the darkest, it is the beginning of the growing of the light. And so that was what I used to be able to wrap my head around this because I sort of grew up with the the light half and the dark half as opposed to the growing and filling of the light and growing and filling of the dark. So that's just kind of the way that I've, I've been able to translate it, um, you know, as I've come aboard with the path.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons we talk about it looking like a sine wave, because it's a way to see the light at the top is the peak. And then, as you said, the darkening begins as you go down the slope. Till you get to the bottom where you have winter solstice, and then it starts to go back up again. And then it goes on
0: and on and on. Sure. And um, just to carry on the analog where I used to see on that sine wave, the half of the sine wave that's above the zero axis as the light half, and the part that's below the zero axis as the dark half now i look at it in terms of the slope Mm -hmm. so the moment that the winter solstice is over there is positive slope which means the number and the light is growing more and more positive through zero into its peak and then the moment of that peak at the summer solstice the dark begins to grow and that's kind of how i've helped um verbally be able to reinforce this difference um, in, like I say, dark half versus darkening half Mm
1: -hmm. and I like those terms and I think going forward I'll probably use them more just because it is a better description than anything else
0: Well, yeah, because it takes a moment to realize, and especially in the first week of January when we're all still in the dark and shivering, but it it takes, and that's why I've always responded that way to people, letting them know that, hey, every day after here is a longer day and the light is growing and growing. So moving over to like some of our spiritual work and whatnot, that is a moment of beginning or a moment when you can start leveraging that positive or lightening energy.
1: Exactly. I agree. And and it's a perfect analogy because in January, we don't necessarily perceive visually or emotionally or spiritually even the change in focus or the positive slope as you put it. It's mm-hmm. readily apparent at that point, especially when it's January in Rochester. <laughs> I'm sorry. We live in an environment where January and February are not
0: pleasant most of the time. Well of- you know it, it just occurred to me an even simpler way of looking at that sine wave or that curve is uphill or downhill. Yes. And on the uphill side, we call that the lightning half of the year. And on the downhill side, we call that the darkening half of the year. Exactly. Regardless if you're in the light or in the dark, which is more about that position on the scale, it's where you're going.
1: Exactly, and to continue on as kind of a marker thing, if you think about if you're at the peak and you're heading down the slope towards the zero, straight in between where the where the equinoxes are, are those points where you cross over the zero, in either positive or negative. When you sure up, you're the, the cross
0: quarters are our halfway points between peak and zero or zero and peak.
1: The beginning of yes, I agree. And for us, it's not a single point in time. And I think that's the big difference in our focus, for want of a better word, of celebrating the cross-quarters. To us, there are an entire season, which lasts about 90 days.
0: Right, right. I can remember the first time that, that you and Susie invited me to do, um, and we're going to talk about the rituals more, I think next week if I'm not mistaken, but the first time that I heard you guys talk about the times of Candlemas and that not being just on Groundhog's Day, but being a project that started on Groundhog's Day, went through the ver- vernal equinox and then was closed down and a new project was started at Beltane.
1: Yeah, in that sense, and it is almost a project because you are focusing on one of the four physical elements at that point and right. we'll talk more about why you know which one we relate to which one but to us one of the reasons we picked and we didn't pick it, they picked us we right. went looking to see which one we more closely connected with and we discovered they were very related to our experience of our physical environment in that respect And the reasons why this is this and this is this, and it works for our locale on the planet. So somewhere else, it may be very different. But the idea of each of these times of relates
0: to a particular type of energy for you. Can you can you talk me through um, how you identified the particular element that you focused on for each of these times or periods or projects?
1: Okay, sure. Candlemas, like you said, is around the beginning of February, and it, it isn't a specific date because we do this cycle of three, and our it is that cycle of three is a way of thanking the previous times of element and preparing to begin to work with the next element in the group, for want of a better word.
0: So on Candlemas, we are saying goodbye to our focus on. Samhain and the element of water. Yep, And we begin a period of focusing on fire. Right, exactly. Why Why fire for Candlemas? Okay. If you could just talk me through those four, I think it would be helpful for, for some of our folks. Sure.
1: When you think about it in at where we live, we live in upstate New York. So picture, we're in the dead ass of winter at the beginning of February, let's be honest. And it's pretty gray and gloomy. Water is pretty much frozen at that point. It's become frozen, so it is solid. It, it's still moving, but it's less accessible. Earth is asleep still at that point because we haven't yet moved into any signs of spring, regardless of the tradition of it used to be in bulk when the lambs were born in England. Lambs are not born in February in register, So it wasn't Earth and all of that growth and development. Right. Air is around, but it's cold, so it's not exactly hospitable. And we still need fire to stay warm and get through the rest of the winter. So, fire.
0: Okay, so times of candlemas, February and March, huddled around the fire praying for spring.
1: Yeah, that, and it's a time where you need inspiration and creativity for As the world opens up, you're going to have to have ideas of what you want to do going forward. Beginning new things and thinking about things in a slightly different way. Or what inspiration can I use to get one through one more gray day in February without wanting to kick someone into the slush? Kind of, you know. And then you move on to Beltane, which is May-ish, the beginning of May. And here in Rochester, that's when things are suddenly green. We've had daffodils. We've had crocuses. We've been known to have the occasional blizzard in April. Just as a reminder that winter is still with us at all times. But by May, green is kind of winning.
0: So, I call it. I call it the smell of worms. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So the, when
0: the earth starts to come back to life. Yep.
1: Exactly. So obviously, earth is stronger, strongest for us at that time of year.
0: Okay, so I can see we've transitioned from fire coming out of Samhain to... No, Samhain is water. Or water out water out of out of water and Samhain through fire and candle mass, and now we're earth and Beltane. Exactly. So you okay.
1: And gross and all that wonderful stuff. Now, fast forward. Boom, 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 summer solstice, boom, 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 August time. <laughs> Around here, there's a lot of serious harvesting going on—corn, grain, you know, wheat, all that good stuff. And weather-wise, we tend to get thunderstorms rushing through, lots of air energy there, or we have the thunderstorms where you get the weather blowing over, but we don't get the actual rain. So there's a lot of wind around.
0: Sure. Another another thing that I picture in that time is hanging herbs and hanging um, dried meats and whatnot, getting ready and preparing stocks for winter. So you hang them out on the sticks so that they can, you know, the air can get to them to let them dry.
1: Exactly. Yes. So we have a lot of air energy in that sense. All right. And then you get around a little farther up down the sine wave around the wheel, however you could want to picture it. And you hit the burn, the autumnal equinox and then you hit October, which is Samhain. And we tend to get a lot of rain or the beginnings of snow, depending on the temperature, at that time of year. So there's a lot of water energy present.
0: Sure, yeah. Everything is either wet, drippy, slippery, icy, or beginning to get snowy and yeah, soon exactly. we'll, ne- we'll need a fire. Yeah.
1: That's exactly. So, and then you're back around again through winter solstice and back to Candlemas. So the choices of the elements weren't ours. They were presented to us by our sure.
0: Sure. Yeah. They come, they come right through the window. So now I can see the progression. Even though it might feel different, it actually feels to me more attuned. Yes. By going from fire to earth to air to water to fire. So. Yes. It's non traditional, but boy, it feels really natural.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is where we suddenly realize, okay, we are in tune more and more with our environment, where we live in practice when we do it this way. Now, if you live on the coast of California or you live in Texas or somewhere else, you have to look and see for yourself which element is going to be most predominant in which season. And then you celebrate that particular energy
0: then. So, so this could be completely different in somebody like a, a, you know, a regional person in Brazil. Yes, they're going to form their own. Which element fits which period?
1: Exactly.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> I like to think so. You know, it, it, but for nor- but for northern temperate, you can just work with ours. Yeah,
1: yeah. It it made so much more sense to us than. Going with the more traditional ones that were created in England all those years ago,
0: well, and those were always awkward for me to try to memorize, which is why I never really fully memorized them but these make sense to you know what I have either out the window or under my feet and and that seems to be stronger medicine for me.
1: I think so for us, too. You know, when, when we suddenly, it was like when we finally played with with what was what enough and we suddenly realized, okay, this is it. And why it deepened our experience of working with the elements.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, I, I, I love that you guys sort of took the, the step off the cliff of faith and said, no, we're not going to do it. The way it's always been done because that's not working for where we are. Yes. And you guys were brave enough to sort of retool this and revisit it. Um, And over and and over. And it comes out wonderful.
1: It comes out wonderfully now. Believe me, there were lots of fits and starts along the way.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, just looking through some of Susie's diagrams and whatnot, I can see about three different versions of this. Um, At one one point, you (laughs) referred to it as the broken wheel, which I loved. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I can see that there's – this is not a matter of days or weeks. This is a matter of there's a few years and a few seasons worth of notes that I've gone through with hers and seen some of the changes. So you guys must have worked on this for for a good couple of years.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, way longer than that even because we recognized a while ago that – It didn't quite fit, but you didn't want to stop celebrating either.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I need some framework to work with. I just don't necessarily appreciate the one that's been prepackaged and handed it to me, which, you know, why would any pagan want to feel that way?
1: (laughs) Well, there are those who do, and that's great. You
0: know, no, what I I'm, I, I'm just saying most of us, at least they came from Christian or another organized faith to paganism. You know, we're already sort of classified as outside the box rule breakers anyway.
1: Well, maybe
0: just a little bit.
1: Come you on. know, <laughs> I think that's one of the as, as I keep saying it over and over. That's the best one of the best parts about being a witch is I get to choose what I want to believe based on how I feel at any given moment. Sure. Rather than having it handed to me in a nice book or having somebody stand up there in front of me and tell me what I'm supposed to think.
0: Or even being inflexible enough in my own beliefs that, you know, if I come to you, I would always hope that if I come to you for one of these sessions, and you don't feel like I'm a different witch than I was the last time you and I talked, Mm -hmm. I I would hope that you would speak up because I want to be a different witch each and every day, or I'm not working on what I'm becoming.
1: Exactly. I think that's one of the reasons Sue when I really liked the sine wave as a way to describe the peaks and valleys for want of a better word of the different kinds of energies, because when you think about it, a sine wave is a representation of physical time because it has a starting point and then it just keeps going forward. So every time I get to another peak, for example, summer solstice to summer solstice, I've gone through another down and another up. It's the same period of t- it's a period of time, and
0: sure. I- and that's, and that's <laughs> almost impossible to yeah. visualize a span like that on a wheel model.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's why we went with the sine wave instead of the wheel, because we acknowledge that even if the wheel turns all the way around and we get back to the same point on the wheel, we're not the same people we were.
0: Sure, we're the next wave down, yep.
1: Yeah, so why are we on the same wheel? You know what I'm saying? We we got stuck on the idea of we're on that wheel and it goes around and around and around, so it's continuous, which is important because well,
0: you put you put motion into the wheel of the year, and that motion is year to year motion.
1: Exactly, and I'm not the same person as I was a year ago. I know, right? I'm, I've done a lot of different things and worked on myself in different ways. I hope I like to think I'm growing and changing the
0: older I get. Right, right, absolutely.
1: You know, and I think that's that's why we liked the sign wave because it represents okay, we moved from here to here. Literally. We went from here to here. We experienced that year's worth of time passing and we can see it. And we can look back and say, Okay, last summer solstice I was here. This summer solstice I'm here. I did all this work in between.
0: You know, that, that just I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note and table it for another discussion. Uh-huh. Um, but that just gave me a great idea for unique, a unique way to journal the passage of time.
1: Oh, okay. I'm glad that I give you ideas for saying Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> either going to become another discussion or possibly a tip-tricker, which he hints sometime okay. in the future.
1: That sounds reasonable, but I think we've kind of covered the basics of how we look at it. I think this will become part of other discussions, as you said, we're going to talk about our ice cycle next time in more detail, so you get some
0: idea of what it means and that's that's we- the term that you use to 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 describe the process instead of the moment that you go through at a cross quarter time to sort of acknowledge and not necessarily put away, but you're finished with your own work with one element and beginning. A connection and some That's fresh right. project or work with a new element. Am I exactly. correct? Exactly.
1: That is a good way to describe it. it, it it's just, it, it's kind of a joke because it sounds like an icicle. Yeah. <laughs> and we get a lot of those in Rochester. Even, we do have a lot of discussions during, as they say, the dark times of the year or the dark o times of the year where you're more introspective. So we've had a lot of discussions and the icicles are thick outside. So it's it's kind of an inside joke.
0: <laughs> but sure, it's, absolutely.
1: It's kind of appropriate, too. But I think this is a good way to stop here rather than go down yet another rabbit hole. but when, Well, and I, okay.
0: I just want to take a minute to recap for me because I've sort of learned through this process. Or my goal is to learn through this process of podcast episodes with, along with our listeners. So mm-hmm. what we got today was we used the four major sabbats as events because they are astrological moments and we can acknowledge that power we use the four cross-quarter times a little bit differently in that we use each one as the beginning of of some focused project on a specific element work that will carry us from that cross-quarter through a Sabbath to the next cross-quarter. So there are actually four of those periods that we do work with the four elements throughout the cycle of the year.
1: I would agree perfectly, just two things. Um, Just because we are focusing on one element more deeply does not mean the other ones are not available if we need their energy for spell work or magic or ritual. Obviously, they're just not the predominant energy. They're just easier easier to access. How's that?
0: Well, and, and, and like we talked about with the reasoning behind them, they're more prevalent in our awareness at the time.
1: Exactly. And then the other thing, this is a joke. Um, Some people refer to them as greater and lesser Sabbats. And we joke, Sue and I, the lesser Sabbats were actually the solstices and equinoxes, if you're talking about it in those terms, and the greater were the cross-quarters. And we, we came to the conclusion that they were greater because they take a greater amount of time to get through. So they're not a specific date. (laughs) And then we got like way later on, we got, we started talking about, remember they used to be called greater and lesser Sure. And and we looked it up and we're like, oh my God, the greater are the four cross quarters.
0: Right, right. Yep. And maybe we might've come to some of our conclusions a little sooner if we got, you know, and I'm glad, I'm glad you pointed at that because that's going to give me some personal reflection today on (laughs) how much import I've always put on the astrological moments, but they are actually less of the workings that I am doing my spiritual growth than the cross-quarter times are. So I'm glad I got that reminder of that today.
1: It's kind of interesting when you think about it. They're just a moment in time. They're a shift in energy, which does affect us
0: in that sense. Sure. But sure, are- but that's all they are is a shift and now we have new energy to work with. Exactly. So with that- Excellent. Well, I'm I'm glad we were able to wrap that up pretty with the bow so that at least someone might understand it. We can hope. <laughs> and if you
1: just right. shoot us an email.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um you're you're always welcome to contact either one of us at two dot com. Exactly. Um, su- surprisingly enough, our emails are Dave at TwoYounggrowns.com and
1: Elizabeth at com. So there we go.
0: All right. I'm great. And uh, thanks for an awesome chat there, friends.
1: Back at you. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We
0: would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witchstone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone for Dark God. Concept stones focus on an aspect of the craft rather than a specific physical energy, and they detail the causal relationship of action and result, echoing the ideas of as above, so below, and as below, so above. The Dark God is the second of eight mental concept stones of the Witchstone Oracle deck that relate to the energy of thoughts or processes. It displays a pictograph of a black-horned figure with red, black, gray, and white antlers, and gray eyes surrounded by a white and black border. The border being split, white over black, tells us that this is a concept stone. The border being white over black, or air over earth, tells us that this card represents a mental concept. Throughout ancient history, there have been pairs of god and goddess figures that have represented the dichotomies of light and dark. For example, the Egyptians had Horus, light, and Set, darkness. The Persians had Ahuna Mazda, light, and Angra Mainu, dark. And the Baltic Slavs had Bialabog, light, and Karnalog, dark. These were not exclusive, and one could not exist without the other. While humans since have assigned meanings to the light as good, and to the dark as evil. Many of the early myths talk about how light was created out of darkness, and they were more symbolic of order and chaos than good versus evil. For us on the path, the dark God Stone is a personification of dark and is associated with receptive energies. The timing of the dark god represents the dark half of the year, where our practice has an inward focus working on inner reflection or the acquisition of knowledge to allow our spiritual practice to continue to grow and develop. It is a stone of receptive energy because its energy is associated with the dark half of the year. It deals with looking for knowledge or information and the processing of it. Processing allows you to integrate it into your own life and practice. It can also be a source of personal gnosis as well. The Dark God stone card is associated with the Dark New Moon lunar phase. The Dark God represents thoughts and ideas when reflecting on the element of air. The Dark God represents personal development when reflecting on the element of Earth. In a reading, the scene energy for the Dark God stone card is mental doing Death and Rebirth Cycle and Results Come in Divine Timing. Mental doing may be about thinking about your beliefs or figuring out areas of your life where you want or need to acquire more knowledge. Death and Rebirth Cycle relates not only to endings, but also being open to something you have given up that may reappear as something new and different, which relates to the dark half of the year's receptive energies. And results come in divine timing may mean we need to do the reflecting and leave the results of something we want or need up to the universe to provide. In a reading, the unseen energy for the dark God stone card is mental doing, hanging on too long, and let it alone. Mental doing may be about making sure you are not overdoing with trying to learn and absorb too much information at once. Hanging on too long may be a message that you are clinging to old ideas or beliefs that no longer serve you. And let it alone means you may be overthinking a situation and simply need to let it go. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane.
1: Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is actually a discussion about the idea of coffee as a magical start to your day. I mean, over the years, the young crones have had many discussions around a table with coffee mugs in hand as we figured out what we believe, why we believe it, and how these beliefs interact with what we do. But we never really looked at the idea of the art and or act of making coffee as a sacred drink or even a mini ritual for our daily lives. We are big believers in finding little daily practices, mini rituals, magical mindfulness moments, whatever you want to call them, to add to your daily life to bring about a wider awareness of the magical inside and outside of us. I mean, how many of us actually wake up the first thing in the morning while we are drinking that first cup? There are people out there, and maybe I'm one of them, who does not function well in the morning if I don't have a certain amount of coffee before I go out the door to start the car. We all have those necessary routines that start our day, without which we don't feel human. But we're going to talk about drinking something in the morning. How about adding some magical intent for the day to that first cup of coffee or tea or whatever it is you choose to drink? I have a granddaughter who doesn't drink coffee but requires copious amounts of orange juice and it serves the same purpose. Not only is this a way to improve your enjoyment of that actual sitting down to drink that cup, but adding a bit of magic to the process, It's a good way to start your daily practice with focused intent for the day. So figure out what your basic intent is going to be for the day. It's going to be more manageable, more organized, and stir your drink clockwise for a minute. And equally fitting, if you want to get rid of distractions, avoid the insanity of traffic, or other things that impede your progress for the day, you could stir it clockwise while thinking intently for a minute, as they would say, about what your intent for the day is going to be. Intent is about focus. It's all about taking a minute to think about exactly what it is you need from the universe at any given moment. So focus while stirring this beverage, then savor your drink, knowing you've not only set your intent, but by drinking it, you've ingested it and placed it within yourself to manifest throughout the day. Now I'm not saying this is a perfect solution, I don't have the right amount of coffee, I'm not exactly coherent. So this may sound a little off the wall, but the whole idea is having something as a magical start to your day to set your intent. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, but you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two young
0: crones. You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook and Twitter. Until Until then, then, remember,
1: remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change.
0: We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine.
1: We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles.
0: We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So no be.